0: Well, cool, we're gonna jump in. We have an hour, and then we have our closing session with Pastor Wooten downstairs, and so we're gonna make the most of this hour. But I'm so glad you guys are here. Thanks for making it a priority to be a Marketplace Faith Matters. Um, well, we're gonna talk about it from a lot of different angles, but I wanna open up telling you a little bit about myself. My name's Heather Erickson. Um, I've worked as a restaurant manager, as a marketing specialist, as a professional burrito roller. Um, I've had a couple different hats in my life but right now I work as a full-time missionary with an um, organization called Chi Alpha Campus Ministries. So my husband and I have been Chi Alpha directors in Dayton, Ohio for the last seven years and the the like motto of National Chi Alpha is that we exist to reconcile students to Christ, to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. And so a big part of what we do is not just reconciling young adults and introducing them to a relationship with Jesus Christ, but we are empowering them to be disciple makers in all aspects of life. So if they're going to stay on the campus, they're going to live out their faith to the fullest. And if they're, God's going to call them into missions, they're going to be disciple makers, lifelong disciple makers wherever God sends them. But a big part of it, and the majority of them are going to be in the marketplace and they're going to be incarnationally representing Jesus in parts of the world that not everybody can get into. Because for most of us, our marketplace work is very niche. And only people there that are doing the job are there. Right? So that is the thrust and the heartbeat of the conversation today. Hopefully you showed up to the right session and you're like, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. It's after lunch, so all of the energy cannot be on me. I'm six months pregnant, <laughs> so <laughs> this has to be interactive in order for us not to all fall asleep, right? I was sitting in the last session, and it was really good, and then I was thinking, I just want to go take a nap. I don't want to teach, you know, so <laughs> we'll get through this together, but it'll be it'll be a mutual thing. So I'm going to start out with a couple questions, okay? So you have to interact. Who here really feels called to missions? Oh, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, where? Uh, well, I'm actually going to uh, uh, Very cool. That's awesome. Josh is still praying. Still praying. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am, Lord, send me, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the second question. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. What are you going to do there? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So let me ask the follow up question. Like, oh, very cool. Amen. That's awesome. Well, my follow up question to that is what do you do? What are your guys' vocations? Professional cook, is that what I heard? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, software developer? Software developer. Awesome. BIM coordinator. BIM coordinator. BIM, BIM for the construction company. Okay. Yes. Um, RG. Awesome. So was my stepdad. Very cool. Yes. Formerly what what were you do was that what you were doing? Civil service, yeah. Okay, cool. Admin Assistant, very cool, yeah, oh that's cool, excellent, anybody else, yes, awesome, very cool, what up here? yeah you are <laughs> what was your most recent job uh, it was a waiter. yes what restaurant oh I was not good at that <laughs> that's why I got into fast casual <laughs> I can't remember everything do you guys ever sense a calling to other servers or to other software developers or to other substitute teachers or to those also working in the nursing home to the crew that you're working with because the reality is those are strategic places that the Lord has positioned Jesus followers and too often we think of that as like a secondary role or a lesser role or not as strategic in the kingdom because it's not vocational ministry I just want to like bunch that up and like throw it out the window this morning or this afternoon. And we're going to talk about this from a different perspective. This is a perspective that needs to be prevalent and pervasive in our churches. If we are going to see the full deployment of the body of Christ for the full ministry of reconciliation, it cannot any longer stay a segregated, relegated Part of ministry that only those in the fivefold offices do ministry so we're going to shake it up a little bit with that and start out with the theology of work so um you got books this morning as you came in they have space to take notes if you want to take notes that's awesome um As Christians, our first calling is to a person. It's to Jesus. That is our primary calling. We are called to Him. But each of us has a unique secondary calling to do a specific work. And a lot of you just listed off what that work is. Now there might be opportunities to go and serve on these short-term trips, and that that is an even greater expression of what God is doing in us. And He does call us all to go. And so we affirm that and we say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. We also want to have that same heart of when we walk in on Monday morning, say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm here now to do what you want to do. We are made to be workers and work is fundamentally good at its core. If we go back to Genesis, we're in Genesis chapter two, God has made Adam, and in verse 15, he says, the Lord took the man and he put him in the garden of Edom to take care of it and to work it. Right from the beginning in Eden, Adam is given a job. And my guess is it's very satisfying, you know, because he has purpose. And what's interesting is that God has created something beautiful and then he has entrusted it to somebody else. Adam has therefore become like a collaborator with God to take care of this great creation. Three verses later, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates Eve, and Eve then becomes a helper or a co-laborer with him because God says to them, God blesses them, and he says to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And so then after we would have the talk about children, there's the rest of it, okay? Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. Together, Adam and Eve, from the beginning, are commissioned by God. He says to them, he blesses them, tells them to rule over the earth and to subdue it. So I'm just going to throw it as like a side note that Eve has a bigger role to play in this than just having kids, you know, from the beginning, she has a purpose and she is a co-collaborator with Adam and with God. Both men and women are given work to do by God and with each other. And that's an essential part of our theology of work is that we are designed to work together. There are very few jobs where you get to work alone, in isolation, right? Because even, even if we are independently working, we're probably part of a, a greater whole, where what we do and what we contribute affects other departments or other parts, other people. And so how well we do our part matters for the bigger vision, right? Well, as believers, as Christians, it's my opinion, and I think we could look at Scripture, that what we do represents who we are. It flows out of who we are. And whose image are we made in? We're made in God's image. So then what we produce is a representation of who He is. And so we serve with excellence. And whatever capacity that God gives us the opportunity to serve in, to work in, it should be the role of the believer to do so with excellence. If we are made to work, and work is fundamentally good, we should do it really well in order to represent who our master is and whose image we bear. How many of you have experienced frustration trying to integrate what you learn on Sundays into your life on Mondays? Yeah. Um, Do any of you find difficulty... Or have difficulty in finding ways to share the gospel with your coworkers? Why is that so hard? What are some of the barriers that we face? Uh, Come on. (laughs) Right? Yes. Uh. Yeah. And so they're coming in and interviewed me on the safety law uh-huh. in Ohio right? and I I said, What well, do you know? And she said, What do you think should happen there? So there's counseling stressing this. So I I threw out a big baseball herpes. I said well, she on the herpes. and you know proved up alternatives, got support there, counseling, you know, and I went on the news and I said I had a counselor show up in my office And not really, and I said, I know about. Amen. And I said, I oh, think he's going to protect me. So and, uh, I was like, no, really and I don't even bother me. And I'm very, I you mean, know, we had a, another situation. And I'm very open about it. Um, we had a full prayer summit this week. Another salvation Army Over our earth, we Uh-huh. And I was actually in one of the speakers. Uh, city officials, you know, pastors. So, you know, I'm very good about my being. And I think that, you know, it doesn't scare me they run, if they want to be ready. I was on this if You know, but, but they're basically able to, to shut them out. So, Praise the know, Lord. Learn, they a I think you've been able to talk to you I think that I've been moving out to the This is something I've Uh-huh. Yes, that's awesome. Wow, I'm so encouraged to hear what's happening over there. What city do you work in? <laughs> Jesus came incarnate in the flesh to be among us and to represent God personally to the world. And that is the ministry that we get to be the incarnation, the physical representation of Jesus. And because of that, he gives us the Holy Spirit for the right moments and for wisdom and for counsel to be able to navigate those different areas with with care right out of respect for authority just like the Bible talks about Um, but also with wisdom so not to miss opportunities that he is creating for the gospel to go forth how many of you are lead pastors in your church that's what I thought okay (laughs) Um, so then what is our role in the church what is or in the ministry what is the role of the lay person if we go into Ephesians chapter 4 If you were in the morning session, you heard um Emil, Dr. Emile mention this scripture, and we're gonna hit on it real quick. But it says chapter four, verses eleven and twelve, So Christ gave himself, gave himself, I'm sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. There's this idea, and I mentioned it earlier, that those who do the ministry have titles like apostle or prophet or evangelist or pastor or teacher. In most all situations, like secular or spiritual or religious, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Doesn't matter if it's in the church or outside the church. It just kind of feels like that's how things run. Right? Volunteer organizations, the Girl Scouts, you know, like twenty percent of people do eighty percent of the work. And that's that is not the mindset of the kingdom of God. It is uh it's been a long thought that church leaders are the ones who do ministry. It's the pastor's job to win souls, make disciples and do spiritual things. Sometimes in the church it can feel like the best thing that we can do is to bring our unsaved cousin to church and then your pastor will get them saved at the altar. And that's our paradigm for reaching the lost, getting them to our pastor or getting them to the church service. But if God is calling us to be the church and minister at the altar, or what if God is calling us to be the church and to minister at the altar of our office lunch table? there's this idea that we don't have to come to the church but we then are the church going to where people are in the everyday rhythms of life there are so many sectors uh, where the church will never could never be planted strategically enough so that everybody says I'm going to give up my sunday mornings and start going on my own volition it takes people being in incarnational going to where their co-workers are where the lost are and living in the rhythms of life with them building relationship with them and then seizing those opportunities to live out who Christ is and what he does it is the role of the fivefold ministry to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry So I might be a missionary by vocation, but it is not up to me to win the campus. We strategically empower and raise up student leaders who can do that, who can go into classes where they're teaching about evolutionary biology and they're teaching about Darwinism and to sit down and do study table with their friends and then go and do homework together and then they start eating lunch together because it's in between two of their classes. And then they develop a lifestyle of being together. So that then someday when they're in the office, they do work together, they do lunch together, then they start having families and they start doing family activities together. And that's part of their normal DNA is to have friends who aren't in the church. And to build relationships. You guys ever feel like, yeah, I know unsaved people, but they're not my, they're not like in my wheelhouse of like people I go hang out with. Yeah, and I don't think that that was the design that Christ had for us. But we get comfortable, and we get, okay, I just need to do what's right in in this moment, and we lose sight of that bigger picture. When you meet other people like new people for the first time, what's one of the early questions that you ask one another? (laughs) Absolutely. And men especially, it's like, what do you do? (laughs) You know, like, sometimes there's even like a, oh, okay, either it's bonding, or it's comparison, or it's like, oh, I'm interested in that, you know, like, it's a, it's a big part of connecting relationally. But it's very tempting to identify people by what they do. Or to let what we do identify us. Right? That becomes like who we are. Like, I I am a teacher. You know, like, that's my life. That's all I do. (laughs) You know? We think that our doing informs our being. But in the kingdom of God, it is our being that informs what we do. Who we are dictates what we do, not the other way around not in the kingdom. Let me break that down just a little bit for you because we are made in the image of God. And so our identity comes from him. Who he is and what he does tells us who we are. And then what we do flows out of that. Now what we do should reveal something about who we are, but it should not inform us. You guys think back to high school. Did you make like Awesome decisions during that season of your life? Don't answer. <laughs> Was that just like the wisest season of your life? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want what you did in high school to define who you are? <laughs> Preach. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Are you more than what you do? In Christ you are. Because Corinthians tells us that in Christ we are new creations. We have been and are being restored to his original design and intention for us which means being image bearers so because God is Father He has adopted us and now we are His children and so we love others because our Father loves, we love in my family because we watch Star Wars, our kids watch Star Wars, you see what I mean? It's in the family (laughs) and because God is Holy Spirit He's sends out. And we are sent ones. That is who we are. We, in the family of God, are those who are being sent. And so then we go and proclaim Jesus to others. It is the Holy Spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness. It is the Holy Spirit that empowered him to go and to live out his ministry. And the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. It is part of who we are. How do we know this? Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Does this say, if you are an evangelist, then you can go on missions trips? No. No. How do you share the gospel with your coworkers then if you don't feel like you are in the office of an evangelist? That is the hard question that the church has to answer. And we as members of his body have to own and have to be able to answer, especially for those that we are discipling or mentoring that are coming behind us. We tend to divide our lives into things with spiritual value and the remainder into non-spiritual. It's just a problem. We all have to, like, own it and not do it. This flies in the face of a true understanding of spirituality. Our Christian faith is supposed to be integrated into every fiber of our normal lives. And that must include vocation. We don't just go to work to make the money. We had these skills, looked like it was going to work, okay, I'm making money, I buy the house. That is so short-sighted because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And your gifts and skills have been given to you strategically by the Father in order to do unseen spiritual things everywhere that you go. Especially where you have to go regularly, 40 hours or more a week, right? This is essentially the task of discipleship, to lead disciples into a comprehensive understanding of how our relationship with Jesus relates to every fiber and sector of our lives. If we believe that we are disciple-makers... Right, to go into all the world and to make disciples, to raise up those around us, to also submit all of life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, then it must, this is essentially it. It involves vocation, the marketplace, our jobs, what we do. It's not who we are, but we do this because of who we are. Um, I don't think I mentioned this, but My husband was a missionary to a closed country once. And in this closed country, you had to have two forms of ID. And it took him a year to get approval to get in. And you could not hold church services there. And sharing your faith wasn't illegal, but it was really looked down on. And they had this very strict dress code. But you were only allowed to be there from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. It's called Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I don't know if you've been there or driven by it it was such a unique opportunity. And that's how we refer to that season of our lives where Andy was really ministering to a close country. And I couldn't even get on unless I had my special ID and I could not go in the building unless it was like friends and family day. And that was a big deal. And then we could not go in the offices unless they were the ones that were open, right? And we had to have a security clearance to get in. And he couldn't even remove things from the building without having people approve that he was removing them. And you can't take media in and you cannot take media out. You know, like, it's a big deal. And if you were talking about your faith on the job, you were not doing your job. You were talking about anything, you weren't doing your job, right? You were just supposed to sit there and analyze the data. (laughs) But yet, Christ has still called him in that season of his life to be incarnational. And it would have been ignorant. It would have been a loss. It would have been for not, if for three years, all he did was show up and not talk to anybody and come home and just collect the money. As a result of being in the rhythms of life with these people, he built relationships with them that opened up other opportunities to spend time together Eventually they had a prayer and Bible study group that happened during lunch, when it's free time anyway. And when we got commissioned to be full-time missionaries, many of these guys came on board, pledged monthly support. One of them even lived in our basement for three months um, as he was transitioning and stuff. And we have, to this day, good relationships with them. But if we had only viewed it And I'm just like, I'm hammering this, right? As a job, we would have missed the opportunity that Jesus was creating for other people to encounter Christ. I can't tell you how many times we sat down with Hector from Puerto Rico (laughs) and said, Hector, you cannot do that. You know, like... And he was just, you know, just figured out life. He's like, yeah, I believe in God. Sure, yeah. No, no, Hector, don't do that. That's crazy. Or like the time that Hector wanted to propose to his girlfriend. And so his idea was that he was going to make her really mad at him. And then he was going to propose because she'd be coming from so far mad to so far happy. It would be amazing for her. And we were like, that's a horrible idea. And she will say no. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. I mean, we did all of life in our living room today is Hector's couch still, right? Because we did all of life with them. Side note, uh, they, three, how many years? No, seven. Seven years later, they found Andy's lost promotional certificate from his last promotion that he didn't officially get recognized for before he left. And the guys came over and presented it to him in our living room. And it was just funny. Like, we pull up and we're like, why is Kevin's car here? You know? Because we had that kind of relationship with them. Uh, they thought it was really funny. And that we took pictures and they shook hands and everything. We can't wait for the offices of the world to come to the church. The church or the body of Christ must go to them. So, my point is that if work is part of God's design for us and our identity as set ones informs our doing as disciple makers in all parts of the world, then the Ephesians 4 works of service we have to contribute are an essential part of God's plan. And we must elevate our view of vocation as part of Jesus' strategic mission for reconciliation and not put it secondary to full time vocational ministry. The marketplace is not a secondary calling. It is a primary calling for most. The marketplace is not primarily to make money in order to send the real missionaries. That might be a big part of what God enables us to do through marketplace ministry, but that's not its purpose. Just to, oh, you go make the money so that the real missionaries can go. No way. No way, the marketplace is an essential element of God's plan for reconciliation. I'm going to read you guys a testimony from a friend, okay? This is my friend Ashley. She's 10 years out of college now, um, and she works um, in an office where they receive the calls for people who have died who are deceased, and um, they're making evaluation of their condition for blood and tissue donation. So she fields those calls, and she helps families make decisions. Um, and she said, I remember the first day I started my job. Some of you might relate to this. <laughs> they sat me next to this loud, foul-mouthed lady with purple hair. Over the next several months, she would ask me questions about faith and all kinds of topics just to see how I would respond. We worked 12-hour days, so there was a lot of talking. Anybody else work 12 or 24-hour shifts? those are long, right? A lot of time together. She was a hard egg to crack, but we just kept talking and formed a relationship. We would talk about our lives, growing up, marriages, and our struggles. After about a year, she looked at me and said, You know, when I heard a crazy Christian lady was coming, I was pretty worried. But I feel myself wanting to know God more. And I'm thankful that we're friends. How she knew that the crazy Christian lady was coming, we have no idea. (laughs) Um, She said, after that, we read a Bible plan together, hung out outside of work. She even sold jewelry to help my husband and I afford IVF. When she was diagnosed with cancer, we prayed and prayed. I got the opportunity to go to her vowel renewal with her husband, and we just got together two weeks ago to celebrate her being five years of cancer-free. She's a great friend, and I still pray that God would completely capture her heart. All of this because they sat the crazy Christian next to the Catholic Italian who cursed like a sailor. sailor. That lady might never have shown up to a church. But she didn't have to, to hear the gospel or to see the gospel in the life of of a Christian being lived out in the everyday rhythms of life. I'm part of a task force called the Six Days Initiative. It's this idea that what happens for the other six days that aren't Sunday? Can we take what we are equipped with on Sunday mornings and live it out for the world to experience Christ the other six days. One of the books that we read recently as a team is called Work Matters by Tom Nelson. I highly recommend this resource. In chapter 10, 10, it opens with this quote, And it says, The congregation has to be a place where its members are trained, supported, and nourished in the exercise of their parts of the priestly ministry in the world. Making a reference to 1 Peter, he's talking about how we are the priesthood of all believers. We're part of that. The preaching and teaching of the local church has to be such that it enables members to think out the problems that face them in the secular work in light of their Christian faith. What are some of the obstacles or the problems that you guys witness in your, in your jobs? Like life problems that people are having, systemic problems that are existing. Can you guys think of some of those? Conflict that you've faced in your jobs? That's very real. Yeah. And very prevalent, right? Anything else? Yes. I think it's just an overall hopelessness, right? So is that desperation for answers for some kind of light in the midst of a really, really dark world? Yes. And Jesus in us. And I think that's why now is such a, a critical time for our missionaries in the workplace like, to be confident in that you don't even have to do a whole lot work. You like, don't have to stand on the street corner or stand up in the conference <laughs> room and be like, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> you! People you know, are going to see it because the darkness is so prevalent. prevalent. So yeah. I agree. I agree. Are you going to add something? Right. Facing mortality. And probably some of those people without the support of family, right? Yeah. So their last, in a sense, days are in isolation or... Yeah. The heart of this quote is the idea that the the members of Christ's body have to be equipped with the language of the gospel because what you are facing what we are witnessing what is happening in the in the spheres that we are in can be addressed with the message of the gospel but without learning the language of the gospel in a sense becoming fluent in how to speak it and being trained and equipped in that sometimes it just feels like our answers fall short like well, Jesus, right? And people are like, what does that mean though? What does that mean when I'm a single mom and I don't have money to pay for childcare, but I I have to go to work if we're going to eat, right? And so I end up in these cycles of abusive relationships and, you know, or, or whatever that means, or when I am facing the end of what I thought was going to be my forever, what does the gospel have to say about that it is essential that our churches are equipped with the with the tools necessary to teach us the language of the gospel and in words that people in a broken world can't understand not our Christianese because it doesn't make sense to those who are perishing but hope does relationship does Life together. Life on life is a lot of what we say in Chi Alpha. We just come along and we do life together. I'm going to go next door and chop down my neighbor's tree because she's a widow, right? Let's go do it together. I'm teaching you with my life about how to serve one another. The average person in a pew, which means the majority of the people in the Ohio Ministry Network, are in non-vocational ministry, working marketplace work and interacting on a daily basis with non-believers. The church cannot ignore this fact and this great opportunity. If we are going to obey Ephesians 4, our job, even as lay ministers, those who aren't vocational ministers but are still doing the work of ministry within the church, right, we have a responsibility to take to the church the need to train and equip the average majority of those attending our churches. I mean, come on. There are fully funded missionaries at our fingertips. It's it's you, right? Who are there already receiving the salary, not calling the pastor like I have to and say, hey, what are you doing for lunch tomorrow? <laughs> you know, I'm going to talk to you about Chi Alpha. <laughs> and we can... We can equip and we can commission them. We must, I wrote, we must help the local church to equip these saints, not just to reach kids at VBS for one week in the summer. You're more than that. You're more than that to the kingdom, and so are our people, but to fulfill their calling in the marketplace by bearing the image of God into all kinds of places. Truly, we have to train people to know how the gospel applies to workplace difficulties, secular problems, and broken systems like wage gap, systemic racism, dishonest reporting for personal gain, right, and cutthroat ladder climbing. These things are happening. Even people in the secular world don't like them, but sometimes they just say, oh, that's just the way it is, but in the kingdom of God, it's not, and the gospel has an answer for that but we have to be able to speak it to them in order to bring hope. I think that in order to close the Sunday to Monday gap and helping people to see all of their lives as spiritual and not just the religious activities as spiritual, it's going to require more than hopeful thinking of hoping. Man, I hope other people get this. We had a great session on this. talked about it for 60 minutes. It was really good. You know, it, it will require more than that. <laughs> Honest vocational appraisal is needed to begin doing the important work of equipping others for vocational diligence and faithfulness. Change does not come overnight. But with planning and intentionality, we can move beyond the Sunday to Monday gap and embrace a more integral theology of work. We have to see work as part of God's design and treat it with the elevated view like that. So, three suggestions, well, four suggestions for a faith community. This might be your context in your church. This might be your small group. This might just be wherever you have a sphere of influence in a faith community. One, I believe we have to become more intentional about teaching a robust theology of work. I did a a drive-by of Genesis 2. There's a whole lot more we could talk about and how God co-labors and calls us as co-heirs with him and how he is constantly giving authority away to empower others. He believes in sharing and in giving purpose. Two, I think we also have to begin celebrating a diversity of vocations. I mean, when was the last, like, janitor appreciation day on a Sunday? But we have mission Sundays, don't we? I'm just saying that maybe mission Sundays need to include missions to the marketplace. Three, equip for vocation. I'm going to go back to number two real quick, too. When we are celebrating our high school seniors coming out of youth group, we have got to celebrate... Everything that they set their hearts to. Not just that they came home from kids camp and felt a call to ministry. We have got to celebrate. I talked to a guy named Eric today, and he is, he is nervous about his son's college choice, but he is so supportive. He's like, my son clearly has a gift for graphic design and for media arts and for, um, illustrating. He goes, he, he has to just go flourish in that. He goes, but I'm aware that the arts community can be a slippery slope. And so he's asking me as a Chi Alpha pastor, my son's going to this school, where should he get plugged in? And I was like, thank you for asking. Yes, that is part of my job is to receive that baton so that your son can be successful in his vocation, in his life calling long term, and in his relationship with Jesus. Because, right, they're, they're interwoven. <laughs> So we're celebrating that kid, and we're not putting his, his call below the call of the other student who was obedient in the same way to Jesus of following the call of missions. Three, we need to equip people for vocational faithfulness. Do you guys know what I mean when I say that? You are know, like showing up for work, doing the job well, sticking it out through rough water. Those kinds of things, because it's it's not only a reputation thing that we are representing Christ well in, in our faithfulness of attendance and doing the job well, but it's going to be very hard if we are constantly changing jobs to build the relationships necessary to bear the light of the gospel. And so we are not only there for ourselves, we are there for others. And do we limit our own needs or our own benefits for the greater good, for something unseen, for something bigger. And for in order to move this forward, I think we're going to have to collaborate to find other like-minded groups, be it churches, or ministries, or our six-day initiative team, that are willing to come and provide support, inspiration, structure, resources in order to elevate a rising tide floats all boats, right? To rise the tide of our church cultures. I mentioned several times this six-day initiative. Josh, Heather, and Patsy also serve on this team with me, and, and we have we've, we've found ourselves like-minded in the fact that we want to help equip the church and equip the, uh, the average layperson to be a vocational missionary and to and to do all this that we have been talking about today. Our team has been gathering stories. We've been vetting resources. We've really been vetting resources. Um, and talking through the tools that we can offer the local church to to equip the whole body for works of service. And this is really what we want to offer you guys. As representations of your different churches, you have the opportunity to like... Take some of this vision back, and start seeding it into, you know, small groups, or, or even, uh, to, with your pastor, of like, hey, how can we do this? Maybe the Lord would put it on you to spearhead something of like, hey, yeah, you know what, I I do believe in this. How can more? How can I equip more people to be effective in bearing the gospel in their, in their vocation? So, if you would like to be resourced for living out your faith in the marketplace, if you'd like to be mentored by somebody who is living their faith out in the marketplace or who has good experiences with that, um, or if you'd like help introducing this teaching to your local church, we are here to help. Um, I'm going to give you some info and then I'm going to give you some chance to ask questions or whatever. But if you go here, does everybody have a smartphone? You could go there right now. So it's bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash six days. And it's just a form. You could fill it out right now. You put your name and your email in there. And there's several options. And if you want more information on anything, I can get it to you this afternoon, like that, that quickly. So if you send in your email and your name and you're like, I want more information on resources, books that I can read that will help me. Or maybe you'd like... Some small group material, a recommendation for some good small group material. Josh with his young adults group, Josh is bivocational. He works for a construction company, but he also oversees um, his church's young adults ministry. He has been kind of piloting this small group material for us. And, having some very interesting conversations and some very encouraging conversations. This whole material, it's called Gospel-Shaped Work. It's by the same guy who wrote this book, Work Matters. And it's a eight-week study, eight-week study with companion DVD videos that teaches the theology of work and equips people with the tools they need in order to live out their faith in the marketplace. You thought maybe you had to create this yourself. There are resources out there to help the church be more effective as a whole church. I I love this. There are resources even available to you when you buy this that you can make slides, you can make... Um, bulletin inserts, there are companion, like, sermon series. So, you know, you talk to your pastor and you're like, hey, I really think you should preach on this on Sunday, right? You know, like, you can present this to him and it becomes a resource for the whole body. And it doesn't have to be just like, well, the four of us believe in this, right? You guys picking up what I'm throwing down? Um... What else? We also have started kind of this conversation that our team is willing to come to your church. If it's something where like, hey, you'd like us to come and talk to your small group about this vision, or you'd like us to come and meet with your pastor and say, hey, we want to help your church get this off the ground, we would do that. That's part of what I get to do. I can travel pretty easily. Um, You're also invited to join our new Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook, and you type in OMN six days initiative, that's our group. i are going to start interacting on there and just trying to create some conversation across the state on this topic and help resource people. So do you guys have any questions for me as we kind of wrap this up? Any questions for our team? Yeah, Patsy. Hmm. Huh. So you're saying I am. You're saying that through God. So I mean, I am has given each of us a talent that we can use to be a I you. your talent, puts you. Ashley in Jesus to people. And each of us the if we Amen. anyway, remember I am our discussions through that morning. the resources we're trying to get to, and, and this, these are basic, like the theological ones, but you can easily start to apply these things uh, and, and come up with some ways to be a good one. And when you uncover how to be a good Christian, stuff you then need to say, especially those of you identify, that identify, hey, this is how you do this, this is how you navigate this water well, uh, you know, uh-huh. say that then it it then puts you in the position to become a mentor or a disciple maker for others who are also serving in that capacity which is a fulfillment of the great commission it's awesome so at the end of all this does anybody feel called to missions in your own context (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yes. yes hey i have three copies of this book would anybody like one yeah okay you're welcome yeah here goes kind of a boost, yeah, a boost to get you started. And I do really recommend checking this out, this small group material by Tom Nelson. Can I pray for you guys before you leave? Heavenly Father, I bless this group of, of vocational missionaries. God, that you have put them, I thank you that you have put them in strategic places. Lord, that I will never go to, but you are bearing the light of the gospel through them in each of their unique roles. God, I pray that you would stir something in them to not just keep this idea of incarnational living to themselves, but to inspire the believers around them to bear the gospel in all aspects of life, sharing in the rhythms of life with the lost world around them. God, I, I release your spirit to just to fill them anew. I ask that you would, God, to infuse them with passion, with vision, with wisdom, and with a drive to be the church and to bring the church to the lost. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share here, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys.